0: Welcome to Home Group Heads Up, a podcast equipping the home group leaders for the season of ministry they find themselves in, we find ourselves in, we're doing this together. I'm your host, Jay Ewing, along with Matthew Mashad, Perry Marshall. This is a discussion based around the sermon of Acts 17, the first half, that will be loaded up on calvarybible.com October 10th and 11th. I think that's sort of helpful to say these days, right, boys? Yep. Yep. And uh, this is a really interesting sermon because uh, Tom and Thomas are comparing and contrasting two groups. Now, Perry, do you want to set up what they're actually talking about?
1: Yeah. So Acts 17 is just a fun chapter. It's packed full of some really significant events going on in, in Paul's missionary journey. And now he has Silas with him and... um So it it begins in um, just, again, Luke gives us all of these geographic terms. So you're seeing all of these cities that are indicated along the way that indicate which direction or or where Paul was traveling from and to. But uh, we get into Thessalonica as the first major stop in this um, chapter. And I think just the trend that everybody's picked up on so far, if you've been paying attention, is Paul goes into a city, whether he's had Barnabas with him or, or um, in this case now Silas, um, but he doesn't get to stay indefinitely. (laughs) Paul's welcome wears off. Um, It doesn't seem like after very much time. And so he moves on to the next, moves on to the next city. And in this case, he's going from Thessalonica and then he has to move on to the next city. He's encouraged to leave. Um, And he goes to another city called Berea. And, Um, Really fascinating things going on in both locations, Um, but you see how um, there's a mix in both places where you see some really great things. Where Paul presents the gospel, he goes in first to the synagogue because there's a synagogue in Thessalonica, so that means there's a Jewish population there. And he goes to them first and explains how Jesus is this Messiah that they've been wanting to know about, that they've been expecting. And he uh, he um, provides a argument, an explanation, a defense about why Jesus is the Christ. Christ just meaning Messiah or anointed one. And um, people come to faith. Uh, but verse 5 is really key, and Thomas points this out in the sermon. The Jews are jealous of what they're seeing unfold right before their eyes
0: yeah you're really seeing the contrast of two cities because it's a really great example of like consider Thessalonica like Denver so it's on the map it's on every world map right and then you say I'm going to go to Erie, and like anyone's like where where's that and that's Berea Berea is sort of the backwoods nowhere place where Paul and Silas end up in the middle of the night Um, and we find out that they're actually more noble than the Thessalonians. Yeah. And that's a really interesting distinction to even make in our groups is like it's not where you're from or the education you have that defines you but more importantly how you're willing to pursue the Lord, right?
2: Yeah.
1: So there's a very um emotional kind of response among the Thessalonians, um, the Jewish leaders there who are jealous are able to go into the marketplace and stir up a crowd. So it kind of becomes like a mob and, um, they can't find Paul and Silas anywhere. So they have to go to the house where they're staying and they find this guy, um, Jason, who is the the head of the house apparently. And, um, they put him before the officials in the town and they, they end up, um, kind of brokering a deal <laughs> where they say, um, Paul and Silas need to get out of here, like now. And so, Paul, so Paul and Silas leave, and they go to that town of Berea, and and in Berea they find a very different response among the Jews of that city. And um, Matthew, you've listened to the sermon as well, and what what would you say about how the Bereans receive the gospel?
2: Yeah, Thomas says something in the sermon that uh, is kind of for me a big takeaway from uh, this this week is uh, we want to. Be Berean. Uh, I think he even he says to be Berean is to be Christian. Um, and their response to Paul is is eager and receptive to what he's bringing to them, and um, they receive. Yeah, they they are eager to receive the truth, and then they take it and they examine the scriptures to see what uh, what truth Paul has said and and they do it themselves and they come back uh, to the understanding of, yeah, Christ, Jesus is the, the promised one, the Messiah. And they, they believe. Um, cool. And then, yeah, eventually that gets back to the Jews that are in Thessalonica and they come and kick Paul out again. His welcome runs out very quickly.
0: Yeah. So Perry, I know you're writing the discussion questions, and you posed a great question just in our warm up here, but you're talking about um, sort of what it, the implication of what it means to be Berean looks like.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know we are in a, a day and age where, man, we have so much that's just a click away from us in terms of teaching, preaching. We can we can click on an endless number of sermons and hear some people who are just. Expert communicators. And it's so easy for us to be persuaded by people who are really good communicators, who are really flamboyant, who are charismatic. And um, we are then in danger, though, if we do not have the kind of attitudes that the Bereans have. If we're just listening and um, soaking in whatever we hear, then we are very vulnerable to taking on some ideas, some thoughts, some misunderstandings of the gospel. If we do not have the baseline and the reference point that's unchanging of the scriptures, and so we need to be like the Bereans, the people who receive the word with eagerness, but examine the scriptures daily to see if the things that we are hearing, listening to, watching, paying attention to, are actually so. Just to put it in the language of verse eleven and Acts seventeen. So we're gonna um, we're gonna include a question on on the discussion questions this week. It focuses on that very thing. And it might just be a good a good point of application for you to talk about in your group. So how do, what does it look like for us to examine the scriptures and, and be like the Bereans in that case?
0: Yeah, another way I would ask that too is maybe you're a home group leader wanting some resources or we got this in the weekly inbox last week of like what are some good things to invest in so we can be Bereans as home group leaders. So what would you suggest someone who doesn't have endless capital of investing resources but wants to have some trusted resources to examine the scriptures.
2: Yeah. I I so that is a great question to think about in this of well we yeah, we want to be the ones that examine, but how do we know what we're examining? How do how can we trust even our own selves of what we're examining? And so I would say the a really great resource is just yourself in training yourself up. Um, I think a, a pretty trusted resource from Calvary standpoint, at least is the Bible projects are they're, they're a group that puts out a lot of great resources on how to read the Bible and how to understand what it's talking about. And so taking time to invest in yourself, to build yourself up in that and, uh, your knowledge of being able to understand the Bible so that when, when you do hear something and you're eager to receive that truth, you can take it and go back and search the scriptures, but you actually trust yourself to know what the scriptures are, what the scriptures are saying. Cause in some points it's, it's not as necessarily as easy as a one-to-one from 2000 years ago in the ancient Roman world to, today in Erie, Boulder, or Thornton, or Westminster, or whatever. Like, that's not always a one-to-one comparison that can be made. Right. I would say invest in the
0: ESV study Bible as a trusted resource for just your reading your scriptures and you're confused or want a little further explanation. Those footnotes are very helpful, guided by my friend, J.I. Packard, who just passed away this year, but... Good friend. uh, You know, his, his watchful eye over that is... Is a reliable source. Yeah. Yeah,
1: The, uh, we don't preach from it. We preach from the ESV here, but the new international version study Bible that was redone just a couple of years ago is really good too. And so there are a lot of, um, trusted scholars who wrote the the notes for that Bible as well. So the NIV study Bible, the ESV study Bible are both excellent tools.
0: Yeah. And you know, the Bible project are really fun. The podcast I think is really helpful for my own walk and understanding the scriptures. Um, We probably all have seen the videos of explaining the intro to a Bible, but the podcast goes a little further into that. So when we talk about getting back into the text of Acts 17, do you see any hindrances or careful conversations that we might have or might arise out of this text, or is it pretty straightforward this week?
1: Well, I would say that here's one thing. Thomas doesn't hit on it too much. He doesn't really spend a lot of time camping out on this. But one of the issues that's brought up with the Thessalonians, one of the accusations made by these Jewish people who are probably leaders of, in the synagogue there who were jealous of Paul and Silas, is they bring this charge against Paul and Silas. And they say that these men have turned the world upside down. And speaking of Paul and Silas and just the church, the early church in general, these men have turned the world upside down and have come here also. And Jason has received them and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another King Jesus. So that claim that there's another King Jesus is only a half truth. It's true that in the gospel, we do proclaim Jesus as Lord, but When we also look at other passages of Scripture, whether it's Romans 13 or 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17, we see that Christians, even though we proclaim another king, we aren't seeking to overthrow the government. And that's kind of the charge that these jealous leaders are accusing Paul and Silas of doing. You know, we are in a very volatile season right now, Um, newsflash, right, Right. of of having a political season. And um, it's very contentious, right? But what does it look like for us to both proclaim a different king, but not to be proclaiming the king in a way that we're trying to, like, overthrow or subvert the government in any way? What does it look like for us to actually be better citizens of our own area, of our own country, of our own nation, because we have this other king, Jesus? That's another question that we, you'll have an opportunity to um, potentially ask and talk about in your group this week.
0: Okay, so that's your home group heads up. Just if you look into the study guide and study notes, the discussion guide, make sure you get the leader version. It has red in it. So if you're not looking at red letters, they're not letters of Jesus. They're letters <laughs> They're letters written by Perry Marshall to give you a heads up of the discussion. Let me leave you with this as home group leaders. Um, we were talking about this in my men's group this morning. Psalm 16.3 says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And as the saints at Calvary that dwell in the land of Erie, Boulder, Thornton, the Front Range, you are the excellent ones. Um, And Jesus is taking delight in your obedience, your faith, your grace, as you lead in this season at Calvary in home groups. Keep up the great work. We're praying for you. We look forward to seeing you very soon. And always reach out if you have questions.